Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion, and I am your inheritance among the children of Israel. That's Numbers chapter 18, verse 20. Our inheritance is, listen, the Christian needs to know who they are. Our inheritance is not some sort of physical thing or being a partner with the world. Our inheritance has nothing to do with the world. He is your portion and he is your inheritance. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are bought with a price. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Our inheritance, just so you know, our inheritance is nothing to do with this world. Our inheritance, and here's a deeper thing for you, isn't even heaven. Heaven is a reward. Most Christians are living to go to heaven. Understand that the reward of salvation is the Holy Spirit. The Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion. Now the Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit. That is your portion. That is your inheritance. But most Christians do not dwell in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit because their mind is actually set on that which is not their reward, either on earth or in heaven. If your mind is fixed on someday, I'm going to be happy because I go to heaven. Understand there is no delineation between what you have now and what you will have then. How are you supposed to pray? After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because you are right now, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That is who you are. There is no delineation between where you are now and where you will be in heaven. You've already received your reward. It's not in this world. Our reward are spiritual things. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Most Christians do not enjoy the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit because their mind is actually set on the things of this world. You should never have your mind set on saving your marriage. It should be on the Holy Spirit. And that alone will give you the greatest marriage you could ever possibly have. Your mind should never be set on how can I accumulate wealth. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you inherently. Matthew 6, and 34. You're supposed to take therefore no thought for tomorrow. 
For tomorrow will take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now what we do now is we attend to the sanctuary. You are the sanctuary. That reward on the inside of you. That is your portion. He is he himself. Think about what an honor it is. When the Lord said to Aaron, see, you and I are now a priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You and I are now the new Levitical order. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy mercy first peter chapter 2 9 and 10 see that's who you are you have five titles in there one of which is you are a royal priesthood you are now the levitical order whether you think you are or not doesn't matter whether you feel like you are or not doesn't matter if you want to feel like you are then you're gonna have to get with the holy spirit you're gonna have to shut the world off You're going to have to close your eyes to the world. Get into the God. Get to God himself in the secret place. Deal with God in the secret place. He will then reward you openly. But you've got to get with God in the secret place. You've got to shut things off. Stop scrolling figuratively and literally. Your reward of salvation already lives on the inside of you. Now, you can have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe we'll get into that. Maybe we won't today. I don't know how far I'll get. But we, you and I, are now to attend to the sanctuary. Numbers chapter 18, verse 5. That there may be no more wrath on the children of Israel. See, you and I are supposed to be dispelling wrath and dispensing grace. Numbers 13.30 says this, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Do you want your country back or not? Then go take it back. But understand something. You can't do it on your own. You're, we can, I can dispel, I can dispense all the facts that I want. It won't work. You have to have a power that cuts to the heart. I don't have it in and of myself. That's why Jesus said, without me, without my spirit, you can do nothing. I have to have something. I, and I, the way to properly phrase it is I have to have somebody. If you want your country back, understand that it's going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to be able to break through stupidity, ignorance, and unbelief. Facts don't work to do that. On occasion, you make breakthrough with somebody who goes, you know what, I see the light, just with factual data. But normally... It has to be somebody who comes in and tases somebody in the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Otherwise, facts would work all the time. People would just wake up. They can't wake up because they're too narrative-driven. 
They're too blinded by their own agendas and their own narratives. You and I deal in the grace of God. We attend to the sanctuary that there may be no more wrath on the children of Israel. We're supposed to be taking our country back so that the wrath of God is spared. So that, so that our country is spared from the wrath of God. We're not supposed to be mad at everybody. We're supposed to be taking our country back. Listen, yes, there's nothing wrong with being angry at evil. There's nothing wrong with, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We do not, we do not war against human beings. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. That's who we're fighting against. And the only one that can win that battle is a temple filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. All those verses, if you're wondering, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 and 4, Ephesians chapter 10, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 12. Ephesians 4, 29. So when you and I deal in grace, let's look at it. You and I deal in grace like a crack dealer deals in crack. We deal in grace. That's what we deal in. How do we do it? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the heavens. Remember now, you and I are children of the promise. We do not receive a land mass, the promised land. We do not receive a land mass because we have no portion there. We have no inheritance there. We do not receive a promised land. We receive the promises of God. That's our portion. That's our, and listen how limitless that is. You receive the promises of God, you'll get way more land. Everything you lay your hands to will prosper. He will put heap upon heap upon heap on top of you. It's way more powerful to go ahead and inherit God instead of things God made. You get God himself. How many of you have ever thought to yourself, if I ever was granted a wish, remember like a genie, you get three wishes. How many of you would just simply say, I just want, here's my wish. I want wishes for forever. That's the difference. For the world, they may get three things, or even the children of Israel under the old cold covenant, they got a land mass. But you get perpetual wishes. That's the difference. You get God himself, the one who made the promised land. Now remember, you and I, we are children of the promise. John chapter 7, 37 through 39, entitled in the New King James, the promise of the Holy Spirit. We don't get a promised land mass. We have God himself. I am your portion. I am your inheritance among the children of Israel. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So you and I are dispensers of living water. How? Going back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. What does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? Wait till the next verse. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the heavens, and another translation is to the hearers. How do you do that? Don't let corrupt words come out of your mouth. What does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? Next verse. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. We are sealed, and Ephesians actually says we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. The seal of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of promise. So if you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, you have to watch what comes out of your mouth. didn't say cuss words. It said corrupt words, which would include cuss words. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. If you're going to dispense grace, you have to do it properly or you are grieving the Holy Spirit. Let no corrupt word. What, so just make it simple. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Corrupt words. That's what it says. Corrupt words grieves the Holy Spirit. We are to impart grace to the hearers, to the heavens, through a Holy Spirit powered temple that is who you are whether you believe it or not sense it or not feel it or not that is who you are now whether you ever act in it will be whether or not you choose to deal with the holy spirit directly will you deal with him because he will disrupt your life yeah one little clap in the back he will disrupt your life so what kind of grace doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit only speaks the things that he has heard. So what type of grace does not grieve the Holy Spirit? Right there. This is the only grace that there is. This is the only love that there is. There is nothing and nobody else. This is Jesus Christ himself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 14. There is no other Christianity but the Word. So if you're going to dispense the grace of God, what kind of, what kind of grace is it? Let's look. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's where most preachers will stop preaching. Because if you preach the rest of this verse, the rest of this, this two-verse combination, people are going to leave your church. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It, the grace of God, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. The grace of God does not teach you to keep on sinning. Look at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning 
Shall we go on saying that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So if you are going to let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, then it has to be this. Otherwise, you flip to the next verse, Ephesians 4.30, and you're grieving the Holy Spirit. If you don't preach, if you're preaching a watered-down grace, you are grieving the Holy Spirit of the living God. And God will carefully control you, corral you, and make sure that you're not preaching to too many people. You're like, no, there's lots of pastors that get out there. They may, listen, they may build their, their mega church in some city, but believe me, God is cordoning them off. Jude chapter 3, ver, Jude cha, not Jude chapter 3, Jude 1 chapter, th- verses 3 and 4. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith. That was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. False grace inside the church. Certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago has secretly slipped in among you and called the grace of God a license for immorality. If you are doing that, you may call yourself loving, but you are a griever of the Holy Spirit. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the heavens. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. This is what you must preach. A grace of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That's what, if you're going to be somebody who dispenses grace, that's the grace you preach. Otherwise, you're preaching heresy and it's grieving the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 3, 18 and 19. Been using this verse a lot over the last two months. These verses. And to whom did he swear? That they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey. If you're dispensing grace, this is grace. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. What is, why do people go to hell? They don't go to hell because of their sin. They go to hell because of unbelief. Obedience means that you've believed. Our reward is not natural. We don't have a natural reward. We don't have a land mass. We don't have the Canaan land. We have God himself who made the Canaan land. The Lord said to Aaron, Again, Numbers 18, 20. You shall have no inheritance in their land. So here's the thing. Why is the church trying to please people when they have no inheritance in their land? You're going to vax like the world, mask like the world, lock down like the world, get your vaccine passport like the world. You have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. That's why, listen, It's a failure if we need to go to the hospital. I've had to go to the hospital. I admit it. 
Yeah, I was even pastoring this church at, this t- at that time. I've gone and I've been sick. It's a failure. That's actually partnering with the world. Help me because God is not strong enough in me that he himself will solve my problems. I got to be medicated. I got to go to the emergency room. I'm, listen, if you're not there yet, you're not there yet. But you should understand that's where you're supposed to go. That is your promised land is the promises of God. No plague shall draw near thy dwelling. Promise of God. Bind, bound, loose, loose. Promise of God. That's how it should be. If you're not there, don't sit here and hang your head. Do something about it. Don't get offended. Oh, man, you know, we prayed for Aunt Susie back in 1987 and nothing happened. And, you know, ever since then, you know, I just don't trust God for healing. That's fantastic. So you let some sort of personal experience, and even personal experience that is factual data is a lie in comparison to the Word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's Romans chapter 3, verse 4. Even past experience, if it in your mind has trumped the Word of God, you've made it a lie. Yes, she died. The reason she died is right here in the Bible. It's in Mark chapter 4, 37 through 41. It's in Matthew chapter 17, 19 through 21. It's in Mark chapter 9, 23 and 24. It is unbelief. You may not like that. Preaching about unbelief is worse than preaching about sin in the evangelical church. People find that to be more offensive. It's always unbelief. From day one, people go to hell for unbelief. They're not healed because of unbelief. They sin because of unbelief. Unbelief is everything and nobody talks about it. And all that it takes to dispel unbelief is to be baptized in the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the word of God. Faith is the culmination of your promised land because your promised land is God himself, the promises of God, which are the word of God. If you're wondering what's missing, just, I'll let that, I want to let that sit for just a second because I have a tendency just to yell over your feelings. Let this sit for just a second. Are you right at this moment wondering what is missing? Some of you should be because what you're doing instead of actually sitting there, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Reason with the Lord. Are, are, should you be sitting there going, what is missing in my life? Or should you be saying to yourself, I should be asking that question, but I'm not. I'm perpetually just trying to fill the void. See, it's a weird church, isn't it? It's a weird church. You actually get confronted here. Most every person in this room is running from something's missing. And instead of dealing with what's actually missing, you're trying to fill fill it with easy things. Easy things don't just mean easy. They just mean what is carnally pleasing to you. Carnal does not mean sexual. Carnal means of the five senses. Those who live according to the sinful nature, the carnal nature, have their minds set on what that nature desires. That's in Romans chapter 8 verse 5, written to Christians. 
The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Romans 8, 6. See, this is, all, this is all backed up, and it goes into further verses that are very, very popular to people, but they never look at the roots of them. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Everybody, nobody knows that verse. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 13. Then you get into Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Everybody starts knowing them. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry out, Abba, Father. Starting to recognize the verses, aren't you? The Spirit, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Everybody, everybody here in these verses, you know them now, right? That was Romans chapter 8, 16, and 17, then 15, then 14, and it all started with, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now what is that talking about? Is that just talking about sin? No, this is written to people who are redeemed of the Lord. This is talking about distracted Christians. It's not just hell-bound sin. It's talking about Christians that have deemed themselves useless because they are completely and totally distracted, which is why the church shut down. The church, which is a city on a hill, the whole world was looking at the church, and the whole church shut down. It's been the greatest thing for some of you because your lukewarm, stinky ark church is closed, and you had to come to me. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you outside of Jesus himself. Because you would have spent the rest of your life being nurtured. Nurtured to do nothing. I'm trying to kick you in the seat. A lot of us should be asking, what is missing? If you are not giving sight to the blind, if you are not winning the lost, if you are not operating in the gifts and the callings of the Holy Spirit, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. They're all, they all belong to Him. Different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit dispenses them all. If you're not operating in those things, and you're simply, well, you know, I'm saved, my sins are forgiven. That's not it. Why is that, not, why is that okay only in the church? Why is it okay to not mature in the church? Why are churches actually predicated on sustaining that very insufficiency? Think about it. They won't dare work a nerve. They want to keep you nice and sedated as a little infant. In fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. What's, now that is, that's, that's Hebrews chapter 5, 12 through 14. What's it titled? Warning against falling away. You should be a teacher. It's dangerous not to progress. Because the Lord our God is a consuming fire. If you are not being consumed, consumed doesn't just mean being slain in the spirit and doing nothing. 
It doesn't mean, oh, I got goosebumps in that, in that service. I'm being consumed. And then you go right back to violating Romans chapter 8. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires. If your mind is set on your business, if your mind is set on your family, if your mind is set on a sport, if your mind is set on the future, you're living in heresy. Your mind should be set on the Holy Spirit. Life is not that simple. I've got a maintenance of marriage. Set it on the Holy Spirit and watch your marriage then. Watch and see what happens. How many times have you heard this testimony? I got one this week. I just can't remember who it was. Someone came up and told me. They started to tithe or they gave a large offering. Oh, it was a friend of mine I went out to lunch with. He attends this church. And they gave a sacrificial offering to the Lord. And then the next minute, he's promoted, she's promoted. If we would just give God the time, watch and see what would happen. If you just gave God you as a living sacrifice, you'd be the greatest wife ever. But instead, you go to a seminar on how to be a great wife. Forget that. Marriage is a circus, embrace your clown. <laughs> Conference by lukewarm Bob and his wife, Millie. <laughs> if you're wondering what's missing, the very first thing you have to ask is, what's missing? And stop trying to avoid it. There's only one thing missing. If you're empty on the inside, the Holy Spirit. You're like, well, I'm saved. He's with me. Yeah, but you don't give him a chance. You don't talk to him. You don't address him. Most Christians never even say Holy Spirit. Jesus is gone. He's not coming back until he comes back. He's coming back one time. He's going to scoop us off the earth, but he's only coming back one time. We'll, we'll be spared because you have kept my command to persevere. I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth, not to test you and I. That's Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. We'll miss the worst of it. We'll have to dwell in the beginnings of sorrows, which is where we are now. But he'll spare us. But he's not coming back until he comes back. He's gone. Holy Spirit's here. And nobody talks to the man. Nobody even says his name, let alone baptize me, Lord. Immerse me, Lord. Nobody says a word. That's what you, people name themselves. Enter ye in at the, at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And what's the name of the most popular street in New York City? People will name themselves. Baptists name themselves because they dwell in the covenant of John the Baptist instead of the new covenant of the Holy Spirit. They name themselves. It's funny how it works, isn't it? They, turn, they, they, they are temples of the Holy Spirit, the Baptist people. They're saved, but they don't operate in any power. That's why they all closed, 100% closed. The leader of the Southern, or was the leader of the Southern Baptist Convention, came out and said that vaccines, these vaccines, are gifts from heaven. And that everybody should be vaccinated. 
They operate because they have no discernment. They are natural people. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Again, written to Christians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural man, the natural Christian does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, to the Christian. Well, you see those people get slain in the Spirit. It's so stupid. You're stupid. You're stupid. Well, that's tongue talking. That's a little weird. You're weird. That's God. That's God. If you're wondering what's missing, here it is. John chapter 6, verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. What you're missing is life. Every human being will worship something. Every human being looks for life. A myriad of people today, right now it's 1233, and we'll be getting out of this service around four. And here's the thing. A myriad of people right now are worshiping men that run around bouncing a ball. People will worship something. And people yearn for life. They want life. You know, so hot in Florida. If I could just get to the mountains. Life. It's not life. You're going. You'll be in the mountains. There goes the life. What you're missing is life. You yearn for it. People will try to fill it with adventure. Try to fill it with a new love interest. Try to fill, like I told the first service, I walk around my neighborhood and I sit there and I mark what people do and don't do. I see them try to fill the void. They're all the same. It's a motorcycle, an RV, landscaping, we're doing something new, putting a pool in, doesn't do nothing. Because it is the spirit who gives life, not a pool, not a motorcycle. You might get an initial rush. How many of you are, love the beach? You see how quiet it is? There's a few of you. I saw you in the wave in the back. Love you. Here's the thing. I li- I've lived here since 1980. I never go to the beach. Ever. It gets old. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying you can't on occasion go down, but everything gets old. If you lived in Breckenridge, the mountains get old. And certainly the people coming in and out of Breckenridge and in and out of Inglewood, Florida, all these years, it gets old because it's not life. A mountain is not life. A new home is not life. Even when you have life itself, like you give birth to a child, that belongs to God. Before he formed Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, before he formed in the womb, he already knew that person. It belongs to him. That won't even bring you life. Only God himself. It is the spirit who gives life. You forgot the verses, John 6.63. As I blithered on. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit. Therefore, I put the therefore in there. Therefore, they are life. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. How many of us would agree that life is kind of important? 
The only path is the Holy Spirit. Right there. Jesus said it. Jesus is gone, sits at the right hand of the throne of God. Holy Spirit is here. Jesus didn't say, I have come. He did when he was here. I have come to give you life and life to his abundance. But that was, he left. He said, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But when I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. John 16, 7 and 8, right? So he left. It's all part of the new covenant. It is not disparaging Jesus. Jesus did and will do what he is called to do. The Holy Spirit is here, and it is the Spirit now who gives life. Only. Go ahead. If you want to waste your life, some of you are 40, some of you are 30, some of you are 60, some of you are 70, and you are staring at decades of waste. Well, then I should just give up then. I've wa- Listen, I've wasted decades. I haven't given up. I just hearken back to the word. Psalm chapter 84, verse 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather have one day of true spiritual pursuit, of true spiritual indwelling of the Holy Spirit than just to hang my head while I've already wasted my whole life. So I'm just going to hang on till heaven. Heresy. Heresy. It's not the Bible. That's made up stuff. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, most of us know this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power is kind of important. You want to retake your land. This is your, this country was formed in Christianity. It belongs to us. The curse of the Lord, the good curse of the Lord is upon it. The mark of the Lord is upon this country, and the Christians just yield it. Grab their ankles and yield it, and I mean that in the strictest proctological sense. They just yield this country that was marked for Christ, formed by the very followers of Jesus Christ. Have you ever looked at the litany of the men who signed the Declaration of of Independence, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution? Almost all of them are evangelical Christians who are actually fleeing religious persecution. This is the land of the free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burned again by a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1. And yet the whole, it's our promise. It's not a land mass, but it's our country. We're to dwell in the promises of God. Not do what Anthony Fauci tells you to do. That little garden gnome liar. All he is, him, Francis Collins, Rochelle Walensky, that's NIH, CDC, and NIAID, Fauci, they're all agenda-driven, vaccine pimps and whores, liars. That's who they are. That's all they are. And it's amazing that the church can't see it because the reason being is the church is natural. Nothing to do. The Holy Spirit is no more welcome in the church than he is at the YMCA. Because he brings trouble. Trouble he brings. I reversed it and talked like Yoda. (laughs) Trouble he brings. 1 Corinthians 2.4. How many of you want to win the lost? There's only one way. 
Here's the chief winner. Here's the, what is Paul? He was considered the preacher of grace. His grace was so thick that Peter didn't understand it. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, calls Paul's letters scriptures. And then right after he says, be on your guard. Right after that, this, right, this, this is the order. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. He calls Paul's letters scriptures, and then he says, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. So he said, follow these letters of Paul. Amen. Why? Because Paul was puking out the verbiage of the Holy Spirit. Boom, boom, boom. My message and my preaching, 1 Corinthians 2, 4, were not with wise and persuasive arc church online sermons, naked and unafraid. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's how he won people. We try to love people in. He powered them in. Show me where Paul says love them in. Come on. You better know your Bible now. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying if you're going to come to me, then you better show, you better have it. Because I do. Memorized. Ready to go. I stand in the word of God. I don't stand in what I feel. I wish, listen, there are things in the Bible I wish weren't there. They don't make me feel good. Sins that I struggle with, I wish were not sins, but they are. They're there, so I yield to the Bible because the Bible is Jesus, and I claim to be Christian. Romans chapter 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking. Friendship, food, fellowship, and fun. That's why the whole church closed. That's what they were standing on. Oh, what do you know? Yeah, of course. We're showing our sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Right? But what they did was they said, look, we're yielding our friendship, food, fellowship, and fun. Look at us sacrifice. But that's not what it's about. For the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking. But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Can Christians be missing the Holy Spirit? Let's look. This is where you find your answers. Don't go, don't go find a book. I so want to name names right now. My Lord, help me. I know you aren't wanting me to, Lord, so I won't. Hold the line. Can Christians be missing the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 8, 14 through 17. The answer is not books about the Bible. The answer is the Bible. I said this in the first service. Christians call themselves intercessors. That's heresy. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the, we have one, one, not a myriad of Christians, one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. First John chapter two, verse one. So if you want answers, you go to the Bible, period. Not, not your desensitized Bible, not your funneled Bible, not your filtered Bible, not what makes you feel good. 
Are my kids saved or are they not? They are or they are not according to the Bible. Now, you know, we've, you know, we believe they've got a good heart and, you know, someday when they stand up, what is that? Where is that? Talk about a demonic puke fest. What are you talking about? Well, they have a good heart. You know, I know right now he's living with his girlfriend, smokes marijuana every day of his life and has no job. But we know he got saved when he was four out of EBS. He's just a great kid, you know, good heart. No, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Jeremiah 17, 9. That's the Bible. It's the Bible. Well, we just know some really good people that aren't saved. No, you don't. It's impossible. But they are good. No, they're not. They're not. I'm not saying don't enjoy positive aspects of unsaved people, but understand who they are. Well, this person's really let me down. Why are you yoked with them anyway? You're welcome. See, I know. You should see the faces I'm seeing. So I'm telling you, some of you, you think you want to be up here and you think you want to lead worship. You don't. Then you got to deal with the faces. You don't think I'm looking at you, but I'm looking. I can tell how it lands with people. It actually, you actually, your expressions steer the message. A lot, of, there, a lot of pastors come up here, they'll preach whatever they have, not me. You help me, you steer it. If you don't respond, I preach it more. If it's quiet, I preach it more. The quieter you are, the longer I'll preach. Keep that in mind around one o'clock. <laughs> Can Christians be missing the Holy Spirit? Let's find the answer. Let's not go to pastor so-and-so. Let's go to the Jesus, the Word of God. Acts 8, 14 through 17. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria, get ready now, had received the word of the Lord, of God. That means they had received the Jesus. They sent Peter and John to them. This is how important this is. You don't just, you do, you do not just dispatch Peter and John anywhere. They're kind of a big deal. Worthy of double honor. They were dispatched to Samaria because the heathens started to believe the word of God. They dispatched them. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Wait, they were already saved. Yeah, they were Baptists. Where do you get that from? Where do you get that from? For as of yet, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But no Holy Spirit. And a lot of people, maybe even in this room, you think that you don't need to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, even though you are commanded in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If you, if you then, being evil, know how to give good, good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Uh, it should... And then you have James 4, 2, yet you have not because you ask not. Seems like asking might be important. Well, I thought you just got it when you were saved. That's not the Bible. The Bible is about subsequent filling. You get saved and you can remain a Baptist. And you will close your church. Because you will not be able to hear the Holy Spirit like you should. There's some that stood. Of course there's some that stood. There are exceptions to that rule. There are Baptist people that may even hear the voice of the Holy Spirit better than I do. But they still don't have what I have. 
Not until you said, Lord, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It's not a matter of just being the temple. It's a matter of being immersed. Acts 19, 1 through 7, Paul at Ephesus. So he finds some disciples. Verse 2, 19, 2. He said to them, Do you receive, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So you could believe without receiving the Holy Spirit? Yes, that's the Bible. I know it's not pastor so-and-so's book or pastor's so-and-so's books. But that's the Bible. You know why they write those books? It's the same, it's the same exact spirit of the, of, of the gay population having gay pride parades and making you, making you be okay with it. It's not even that you tolerate it. You will say you're okay with it. It's the same thing here. They themselves are uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit, so they want you to be uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit. So yeah, everybody, once they're saved, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not the Bible. That's your heresy. And that's why you see what you see. Where there's only a few men of God, chosen men of God, right now in the northern hemisphere, in North America, Canada, the United States. Only a few men right now today that are actually preaching about what's going on in the world. Everybody else is hiding from it because they rejected the Holy Spirit who wants to speak through them. But they're scared of him. They're scared of the Holy Spirit. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much of heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. John the? They will mark themselves. I don't want the rest of the New Testament because it scares me. What if I get humiliated? Listen, folks, I've been responsible for putting hundreds of people in jail. Kind of a macho guy, maybe. I don't know. People tell me I'm intimidating. I don't get that at all. I don't know why anybody would ever be intimidated. Seriously. Ask my wife. I'm not a very, ask Heather. She's a very close friend of mine. Am I intimidating? Not to Heather. Of course, she's soulless. <laughs> Heather's not scared of anything. Literally, not scared of a thing. Nothing. Neither is my wife. Birds of a feather. But I, when I get in the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's, I'm his. Macho gone. Gone. I, when I, whether it's here worshiping, whether I'm at the river worshiping, whatever the Holy Spirit has for me, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Amen. When I went up there, Pastor Rodney called me up there. It was on day 499 of the stand. When he called me up there, I'm like, you know, the, the people there, they know me this way, that way, whatever it may be. The, the podcast host, fire brimstone, facts. I don't care. It's Holy Spirit time. He's, he's my father. He's my Lord. So when I get a call, I'm blithering, just bawling. 
Pastor Ronnie said something like, fire. Boom, I hit the ground. Then he stands me up. I'm standing there, and he's going, what would you have? He knows that I have nothing. He knows I have nothing. He knows that everybody who gets zapped like that has nothing. God wipes your, your mind clean. It's the weirdest thing ever. You have no words. Me. No words. What would you have to say? I'm sitting there going, uh, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I couldn't even say, I don't know what to say. I didn't even have those words. You, you've got to be broken like that. What, pride goes before destruction. If it's the Holy Spirit, you're safe. It's not, it's, I'm not trying to have you come over to join my temple. I'm saying you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yield to him. Don't pull back. That's just too weird for me. Then understand, then understand God's too weird for you. Say it out loud and repent of it. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what were you then baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Listen, I was raised Catholic. The first time I was ever in a church like this, I was uncomfortable. But I just kept coming back. Because for with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Yeah. You look at Catholicism. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 23, verse 9, do not call anyone on earth a father. For you have one father and he is in heaven. They identify themselves. They identify themselves. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. Israel resists the Holy Spirit. This is, this is Stephen speaking. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Now what makes you, now listen, let me do this for anybody who doesn't know. Stiff-necked and uncircumcised is not good. What qualifies you as being stiff-necked and uncircumcised spiritually? Well, let's look. You always resist the Holy Spirit. And listen, that's a lot of people in this room. Some of you teenagers that I've seen, you're just absolutely, you are, you look like you've been spiritually lobotomized. You stand in worship. In the presence of the Almighty God, but this is your juice? That's it? That's your life? And parents, if that's your kids, you might want to confront them. I've gone up to my kids. Wasn't real happy with how you worship today. Tom, isn't, aren't you being a micromanager? I don't care what you think. I don't care. I love you. I just don't happen to care what you think. Especially when I look at a lot of your kids. Got quiet right there, didn't it? 
You're welcome. I'd rather you be able to come up to me someday in heaven and say, you know what, Tom, I'm glad that you, we got, we got offended. We signed up for LA Angel Middle School because we're a 12-year-old girl. We got offended and left the church when we started to think what you were saying, and we confronted our kids and they got saved. Amen. I would rather that happen. I'll lose you. Just like I said, listen, if, if I'm only a torch for the time, and all of these art churches and art, art church pastors are just better than me, and they come back on fire and God wants to replace me, I'm fine. I'm his vessel. Whatever he wants, he gets. He wants me to talk, I talk. He wants me to shut up, I shut up. But I'm his to do with as he pleases. So if you want to qualify as stiff-necked and spiritually uncircumcised, then all you need to do, here's the prereq, resist the Holy Spirit. You already know you're doing it. I know every single time he's talking to me and I'm not doing it. I don't ever go to bed with sin. If I'm living and I don't care if I'm living in it for two hours, I don't go to sleep like that. I deal with what the Holy Spirit's telling me to deal with now. Why would anybody resist the Holy Spirit? We're going to be out of here in 14 minutes. Everybody good? Why would anybody resist the Holy Spirit? John chapter 16, verse 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Remember what I'm talking about here is why would anybody resist the Holy Spirit? So don't sit there in your mind going, Tom, there's so many good things about the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about those right now. I'm talking about why would anybody resist the Holy Spirit? He will guide you into all truth. All of it. Yes, the good, but we're talking about why would anybody resist? For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So why would people not want to be, want, not want to be guided into all truth? Why? Truth that wrecks your past? Maybe you aren't parent of the decade like you think you are. Maybe, maybe you aren't going to win soccer mom of the year. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into telling you that bouncing balls are not the most important thing on planet Earth. And where do you get that from? Because I've seen, I've seen people walk away from God. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose their own soul? Mark chapter 8, 34 through 38. Why? Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I see parents sacrifice their children on the altars of Baal. And Baal is disguised as a baseball, a football, cheerleading, soccer, whatever it may be. Guess what? If their sports are on Sunday, they don't play. That's what you do. Well, they got to play because, and they, you see, you don't think the enemy's involved? I went, I sat down with a baseball parent and I asked him, is it, is it everything contingent upon you playing all the time? They play baseball every year, every month of the year, but December. When I grew up, baseball started in March and ended in May. 
And it's not just baseball. It's every other sport. They're all the same way. But they t- baseball specifically, unless you play fall ball, you don't qualify for spring ball. And then you got to play travel ball. Also, these gelding men can live vicariously through their children, accomplishing things they themselves never accomplished. You're welcome. It's true. So you might get told bouncing balls aren't everything if you deal with the Holy Spirit. He guides you into all truth. He may wreck your present. He may wreck your past. He may give you truth that assigns blame. What are you, what are you talking about, Tom? He's going to tell you if you're at fault. You always, how many of you live in the delusion of, well, you just never really admit that you're wrong. You just sweep it under the rug and just act like everything's good. Do you think that's Jesus style? The one who said from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. Galatians 5, 16. You really think that his style is for you just to pretend like nothing's wrong? Even if you're the nice one in the relationship and you blow it, you go to the mean one and apologize. I say that because a lot of people in this room think they're the nice one. You're not open like me. I know I'm the jerk in the house. I know it. I got it. Try to be less jerk every day. It's truth with no excuses. That's why people resist the Holy Spirit. That's why they're stiff-necked. It's truth that's mixed with conviction. I read you this verse earlier. John chapter 16, 7, 8. People do not want to be convicted. What does convicted mean? You just saw Kyle Rittenhouse not be convicted. Right? So, amen. Never should have been a trial to begin with. So there's not so much to rejoice, but I'm glad he got off. But you just saw him not be convicted. So when, when you read a verse like John 16, 7, and 8, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But when I depart, he, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So he will put a label on you. Convict. People don't want it, so they're stiff-necked. But it's better for the Holy Spirit to come in and give you temporal conviction, label you as a convict so that you can be free. The Holy Spirit will tell you, you are sinning. Convict you of it. You are sinning, sinner. They don't want to hear it. He's no more welcome in the church than he is in the world. They're going to invite me to preach at the Emmys this year? The CMAs? Oh, but they sing hallelujah. Yeah, everybody sings that song. Hallelujah. Shut up. Just shut up. Stop singing that. Unless you've turned from your sin, stop singing it. They don't want it. They don't want the conviction. They don't want to be labeled convict. Let's be like me. Embrace it. Is that true, Holy Spirit? I'm a convict. But I know you'll set me free. And I will not wear that label any longer. But you're my only path. I have to go through that valley of the shadow of death first. The world and in the church reject the same person. Seven minutes and we're done. Acts 7, 51 through 55. 
Israel, resist the Holy Spirit. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, and so do you. Which, of you. which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5.11 and 5.12. You're, you're the great unwashed, the great unvaccinated, darn right. Go ahead and insult me. Bless, bless me. Bless me with your insults. And I'll Nehemiah 4 for you. And I will pray that he turns your insults back on your own head. Yeah. I read the Bible. I know what to do. I don't just take it. You, just, you need to know. You know, I'm going to play this. I got to play this stuff for you. I'm going to save it. I'm going to finish with these. Now I'm going to play you a, a, some videos very briefly because I want you to know that we're winning. We're winning. We're winning. Let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Simple as that. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. This is Stephen the martyr, verse 54, Acts 7, 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. If you go to Acts 2.37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Two separate speakers, Stephen in the first verse, Peter in the second verse. That's how we have to be. There's only one way because they were speaking. Listen to here. Here's how, here's how Stephen had the power. Are you ready? Verse 55, but he being full of the Holy Spirit. Did Jesus have to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. Luke chapter 3, verse 22. Whoops! Yes, he did. Otherwise, he would have remained under the baptism of... Boom! That's how it works, folks. It's just the Bible. It's easy. It's easy. People don't want the Holy Spirit. It's as simple as that. I'll finish with this. Now I'm going to finish right here. And then I want to show you these videos. The world should be nervous around you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. 1 Corinthians 3.17. Numbers 12.6-8. Then he said, the Lord, hear now my words. Listen to this. Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. What is, who was Moses? What tribe was Moses in? The Levitical order. Not so. But you are the new Levitical order. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. So Miriam and Aaron, why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? They're not afraid to speak against the church because the church is the world. You have a choice. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9 through 12. What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, right? But how does it happen? What no mind has, no, no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, 
No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among, them, who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Simple. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person or watching online, that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, you will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and asking him to be the Lord over your life. That means giving up control. If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.